0: Welcome to Best Fit Careers with your host, Saurabh Nanda, your podcast for all the information that you need to solve your career and education queries. So, you have decided to pursue an MBA program. Let's get into the nitty-gritties of the MBA process in this episode. I mentioned in the previous episode about the various decision-making aspects associated with the MBA processes. We discussed the what, where, why, and how of MBA, and then moved on to the planning bit and touched upon the future of MBAs and the impact of COVID-19 on it. Please listen to episode 2 of Best Fit Careers podcast to know all of those things. Today, I am going to take you into the details of the MBA planning and applications. We also have Mr. Koshik Khanna, an SN Mentoring Panelist and a Specialist in MBA Applications, to share his insights into the end-to-end MBA preparation and application processes. Kaushik is an alumnus of IIM Ahmedabad and NIT Jalandhar, and has helped many aspirants get into the top B-schools in all major economies of the world. So, let's dig in. Hi, Kaushik. Hi, Swarabh, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, Kaushik, just for the uh, you know benefit of our listeners, can you also introduce a little bit about yourself?
1: So, uh, Saurav, sort of you have already mentioned about my education and work experience. For me, uh, MBA was a very challenging decision. In fact, it involved a lot of research because I had a transition from a public sector undertaking to the corporate world after having a work experience of eight years. So there were many additional parameters which I had to evaluate before arriving at the decision, like job security uh, versus fast-paced environment in corporate world. And, but yes, it has been so far so good. And in recent years, I have additionally been mentoring a lot of students. And currently, my students, they are studying in US, Canada and India.
0: Wow, that's amazing. So Koshik, how should one go about planning for their MBA journey?
1: Okay, Saurabh, so let us demystify the MBA application process. So as per me, uh, we can divide this application process in six major steps. Uh, we'll discuss all the steps. And once we finish the steps, I'll mention few traps and pitfalls that every applicant should be aware of, because every applicant will come across these traps and pitfalls. So uh, the first step uh, in the application process is completing your self-assessment. Uh, this, as per me, is a very crucial component as all other packets of applications will largely depend on this. In management terms, I will mention it as a self SWOT analysis. Applicants need to identify their future goals, reasons of pursuing an MBA based on their strengths, professional journey, passion, and interest. The question, why MBA, has to be answered at every step of the application process, beginning from shortlisting of colleges. To your interview so having clarity of self becomes really important for securing an admit.
0: so yeah kaushik absolutely i think that is so important the self swot analysis strengths, weaknesses opportunities and threats right it is uh sometimes you know you think about swot as, as a very cliched model but it always works i just add a few more aspects to this uh, for every candidate's evaluation um I use some psychometric tools to understand your personality, uh, your motivations, your aspirations, and a little bit about your aptitude as well. I uh, also use a very detailed questionnaire. Uh, you know, the first few meetings uh, with the client, we just go on talking about uh, everything that they've done, every single project, every single hobby that they have gone into to understand how to interpret all that information towards your MBA journey. Has your experience also been something similar while mentoring other aspirants?
1: Yes, of. This has been exactly my way. Also, I discuss at length with my mentees that why they want to do MBA, what is pushing them to do MBA, you know, and then arriving at an answer, you know, because selection of colleges, deciding your target GMAT score, everything will depend on it. You know, if someone wants to you know study with scholarship you know then his his aspirations are different so client so discussion with client becomes very important
0: absolutely Uh, and most uh, aspirants actually kind of miss this out because they're so engrossed in all the other aspects of the MBA planning which we are going to discuss now Uh, but they kind of miss out okay why is this all being done right that is the initial step that is a zeroth step according to me Are you thinking of an MBA but don't understand if it is the right decision? Get yourself assessed from SN Mentors. At SN Mentoring, we assess all the aspects of your profile including your personality, aptitude, interests, education and work experience background. We use our unique personal factor assessment to help you find your best fit career pathway. This assessment will answer all your queries and provide you a clear pathway ahead. At SN Mentoring, all our clients become our friends for life. So join our community. So quickly switching on to the next step, Kaushik. Uh, according to you know your seven-point uh, uh, deconstruction of the MBA planning process and, or MBA planning journey. Uh, i would say uh, coming to the entrance examinations a lot of students today and a lot of aspirants uh, they are kind of confused between indian options and options abroad and when we talk about either of these we also need to understand that there are different entrance examinations whether we are going for mba abroad or whether we are going for mba in india uh, would you like to shed some light on those entrance examinations
1: absolutely swarab so uh... Like you rightly mentioned that there are different uh, tests available across the globe. It becomes more important to shortlist colleges before taking the test. So as per me, after the self-evaluation, the next step should be shortlisting of colleges. So, you know, once we identify the goals, uh, it becomes important for us which colleges we are going to apply. We need to understand that certain group of companies and specializations would prefer certain colleges for instance if someone is you know interested to have a career in finance then Wharton and NYU might be a better bet than other b schools we need to prepare a proper shortlisting for uh, proper strategy for shortlisting colleges uh, it is very important because we can't apply to all colleges each application is unique tailor made and requires a lot of effort and we should channelize our efforts where we are hopeful for results Once we shortlist the colleges, then we should decide on the test we need to take.
0: And those colleges can be in any part of the world, including India. And one needs to understand uh, that, you know, uh, college shortlisting will determine the rest of your MBA planning journey. So Kaushik, what are the entrance examinations for colleges in India? And what are some of them available, uh, you know, some entrance examinations which need to be taken or standardized tests which need to be taken for applications abroad
1: so uh sort of if we look at the indian scenario cat MAT, ZAT, these are indian tests which are quite famous and these are meant for two-year mbas at ims mdi XLRI, and all other top notes these schools in india globally accepted scores are your gmat and gre scores so if you are planning to uh, if if your target college is in US or UK or you are planning a one year MBA in India from ISB or IMM Dabad or I am Bangalore, then GMAT and GRE are the acceptable test scores. So once we decide which MBA we are targeting at, we decide the test, and we prepare accordingly to achieve good percentile in that particular test.
0: Right. Talking about percentiles, Kaushik, uh, what would you recommend uh, for, uh, you know, Indian candidates uh, as to what are uh, good scores when we talk about, let's say, GMAT or GRE?
1: Okay, Saurabh, so uh, there is no GMAT or GRE score that is going to guarantee an admit- admission in any B school. Similarly, there is no score that is going to deny an admission. So GMAT is GMAT score and GRE score are one part of the applications now what we should keep in mind is that all colleges they publish their median score average score our target should be somewhere higher than the average score average gmat or median score of that particular college now you rightly mentioned about the indian pool there are some pools that are highly competitive one of the most hyper competitive applicant pool across globe is the indian it male pool you know So, if you are an Indian IT male, your score required for that particular college might be plus 20 or plus 30 on GMAT of their average score.
0: You're absolutely right. In fact, uh, for a lot of Indian candidates, uh, what has also been observed uh, over the past few years is that if you are scoring, let's say, X on your GMAT or GRE, after you have taken the test in a test location based out of India, that same performance... Uh, from a test location where you've taken the test, but the test location is outside India, that same performance will give you a different score, usually a higher score. Uh, I'm not really speaking this from a study that I've done myself. But yeah, let's say if you uh, score a 680 on a GMAT uh, in India, uh, there are chances that you might actually cross 700 if you take uh, the GMAT, let's say in Australia or Singapore. Why do you think that happens?
1: i think one reason is that uh, if we look at the quant level in india it's very high all most of the applicants they are engineers and when they were preparing for iit's and nit's they did lot of they had put in lot of efforts on mathematics so mathematics basics are very very clear among indian indian engineers so that can be one particular reason second is the number of applicants so number of applicants from india is very high
0: Absolutely. And, and, you know, why we're focusing more on engineers over here is because that is, uh, as uh, Kaushik had earlier mentioned, that is the, actually one of the largest demographics which applies for MBAs from India. Uh, having said that, that doesn't mean people from other backgrounds, uh, whether it is media or medicine or uh, social work, they don't apply. But it is disproportionately uh, more so when it comes to Indian engineers. Male or female for that matter.
1: Just to add, Saurabh, all MBA colleges, they focus a lot on diversity. So if you're coming from a pool that has a huge set of applicants, your applications need to be better than others.
0: You're so right. You're so right. And it is very difficult to prove your uniqueness when uh, so many having similar traits or similar aspects in your profile apply for the same coveted B-School seat in your choice of B-School. Which brings me uh, to the next aspect as to how can one become very unique uh, when, when somebody is applying from a diverse, big country like India. So many of uh, similar aspirants are also applying. That is where it brings uh, us to, you know, profile building. In your experience, um, how many types of different profiles have really stood out and uh, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about if there is... Uh, you know, there is a couple of examples in your mind as to how a person's profile actually uh, helped that person get into the B school of their dreams.
1: So I recently came across uh, one of my mentee. So he has uh, he had done his MBA in agriculture. So this was a very unique profile and his GMAT score was, was you know, on, uh, on the lower side of the average GMAT of that particular institute in US and he was able to secure an admit additionally if additionally if there is a person who has worked in the you know rural parts of india that becomes a very diverse background if someone has worked in africa that becomes a rural that becomes a diverse pool
0: absolutely in fact there are so many different things that you can do and there is no one such magic formula it's just that how different you are from the rest of the applicant pool you might have international exposure you might have uh, done a few community service projects you might have a passion project which you have developed into a side hustle you might have a great investment portfolio it can be anything or everything what you need to understand is if you have a passion you need to cultivate it. In fact, uh, with my experience, a lot of candidates who uh, do come to us for guidance and mentorship, we have been able to assess them and find that unique particular project that they would be really, really special in. And then we help them cultivate that project by exposing them to different opportunities. Um, last year, we had a candidate who's quite interested in, uh, you know, again, from an engineering background. Uh, quite interested in uh, cryptocurrency, but could not really find time to educate himself or uh, find people to communicate, and he was stuck uh, in in a zone where he wanted to get uh, involved, but he could not. So what we ultimately uh, did was we we asked him to create a community of like-minded people, and uh, soon enough, uh, you know, the community grew into grew into size. They actually uh, started. Uh, investing uh, together they they actually could uh, give advice to other people who are new to crypto and that actually you know created an entire diverse or a very unique portfolio or unique uh, profile for that person and those are the kind of things that people need to really take care of and these these things they come from your personality they come from the passions that you have developed they come from your future aspirations they come from which place you belong to they come from which which identity they have and so on and so forth you just need to cultivate that passion but probably finding that passion or identifying that single thing which you can cultivate is a challenge for a lot of people
1: absolutely sort you are absolutely right a lot of mentees they struggle on this point what they feel is that profile building by profile building they think that it is you know having a good professional profile you know get get, uh, having more achievements awards at workplace helps them have a better profile you know they miss out that profile means a 360 degree all-round development within within you which you need to present to the adcom and uh, i have been following your webinars and postcards and i know you have been answering this question at length and i'm sure you are and i know you have enabled many experience built a profile in line with their
0: goals You're absolutely right, Kosh. And and one of the reasons why I was able to do that was because I could never really get that guidance on my own. And, you know, we come from the same college. uh, So we understand that um, even today, there's not a lot of guidance and mentorship available in our education systems or in our professional ecosystems. When it comes to career growth related to getting an MBA later on, if you stumble upon a great mentor who uh, has gone through the MBA journey, you are in luck. But a lot of aspirants do not have that opportunity also. I,
1: I totally agree, Saurabh. This is one major challenge, you know, that is there presently in our system. We think that, you know, uh, a, a, a student will become an engineer, a doctor, and then he'll decide on his own. But I think somewhere mentorship is very important to guide from adolescence to teenage and then to adulthood so that he can take the right path.
0: So true. Uh, Kausheng, moving on to the next part of our deconstruction today is storytelling. And you, you are so good at it because you are able to understand, you know, all the deep little tenets in anybody's uh, profile and then bring them out and manifest them and show them to the world in, in such a uh, smooth, seamless manner. How do you go about storytelling? How do you go about telling the adcom that this is who I am and this is why I should be there?
1: Uh, the first thing is that whenever I have a discussion with my mentee, I tell him that this essays, which we are going to submit is a way of expressing yourself in a very authentic way additionally you need to showcase your interest in joining the program a lot of mentees when they come with their first draft of their applications they have simply mentioned you know that uh, you know it, it's more of a language i'll say it's more of an english rather than depicting who that person actually is and how that program fits in his life you know so that is one important aspect when we start you know preparing the essay and I, and we give them the feedback we need to understand that every essay is unique every essay needs proper research and it has to be authentic because the same essay when if you know if you get a interview call they are going to ask you questions based on your essay. So, if you write something what you are not, you will be caught there. So, being authentic, being true, and presenting yourself in the best possible way is the only thing by which you can, you know, create that anxiety among the adcom that they want to meet you before, before you know, taking their next decision.
0: You couldn't have, you know, put it better, Kaushik. Uh, whether you are a college aspirant uh, looking for Indian MBA or some other management course without which doesn't require work experience, or you're a person having, you know, a decade of work experience under your belt and uh, all the associated things uh, with that or anything else, you need to understand that you need to present yourself in such a way so that they are convinced that MBA is the valid next step for you so that you can grow in your life. Because unless and until you're able to convince them that this is the bridge between my present and my future. And without this bridge, I'm going nowhere. Till the time you're able to convince that, uh, convince the adcom of that, uh, your storytelling is incomplete. And they will catch you as Kaushik very rightly pointed out. Which brings us to the very next step. Uh, so storytelling leads to obviously your uh, resume and uh, but resume building for MBA can be a very different experience as compared to resume building for a CV so Koshik, how do you uh, how should one go about building their resume for an MBA application process
1: so sort of MBA resumes are quite different from a job series uh, and the resume which we submit along with our MBA application should ideally depict our strength and achievements so it's not a job description where we have to mention i have done this it's basically to uh, it's basically to you know showcase your achievements and there is one format you know which we can use it's called star situation task action and result like what was the situation what was the task in hand what action you took and what was the result and this result has to be quantified it can be in terms of top line, in terms of bottom line, or in terms of quality improvement, or in terms of time cycle re- uh, reduction.
0: And that is where, you know, the difference in resume comes. Because, see, how I, I look at uh, Resume Kaushik is, uh, for anybody, you know, it, it is like a marketing pamphlet. And uh, that the, the only purpose of that marketing pamphlet is that whoever reads that pamphlet wants to have a conversation with you. If the resume fulfills that purpose, like looking at your resume, if somebody calls you for an interview, that is it. That is the only purpose of the resume. And if you are going for an MBA interview, you need to design the resume accordingly.
1: And it should be authentic. It should be you. You We should not pick up buzzwords from Google and write anything because ultimately in an interview, you have to defend that resume. So being authentic is very important throughout this process. And knowing yourself becomes additionally important we should understand that the admission committees are overloaded with applications. So they're not going to, you know, spend a lot of time and understand what you want to say. So they are just going to have one glance. And in that one glance, your story should be very clear, crystal clear, precise, you know, and it should have that spark that, you know, ignites within the AdCom committee that, yes, I want to meet this guy. I want to meet this girl before before arriving at my decision.
0: absolutely right which brings us back to again the importance of you know self-evaluation and then converting into a nice story so that it can be converted further into a resume all right now when it comes to uh, resume a lot of uh, these b schools are also today nowadays uh, they are asking for multiple things a lot of b schools actually ask about your social media history as well so they would be they would not shy away from asking uh, for your linkedin or your facebook twitter um, as well you need to develop a personal brand when it comes to representing who you are not only professionally but also the things that you really care for maybe there are causes that you care for maybe there are aspects or areas of expertise that you want to showcase as part of your profile maybe there are um, people that you uh, are connected with all those aspects also matter a lot. So personal branding comes into play, which will not really be represented just by a simple uh, resume on a piece of paper, but your social media profile, your uh, if you're a creative uh, person, when you express yourself through art or performing arts or any of kind, then if you have a portfolio related to that, if you are related to some cause, then how far have you gone? If you are on a board of directors of uh, somewhere, if you're an advisor, all those things matter quite a bit. So that is why personal branding is another aspect that a lot of aspirants need to focus on. So, resume also forms that basic reference or that basic uh, building block on which the rest of your application is designed. Kaushik, what are the different aspects or elements of uh, an MBA application of, you know, most of the universities or b-schools?
1: So there are basically three components. Uh, One is your essays, then, Letter of Recommendation and resumes. So, uh, most common essay which we find across all applications is your Goals essay, where you need to mention your short-term goal and long-term goal, and how does the MBA program fulfill these goals. Other essays include quick statement of purpose, leadership essays, like they can mention teller instance where you showcased your leadership skills in your office. Then there can be failure essays then there can be be a very uh, small essay that what value will you add to the class. And in fact, nowadays, many MBA colleges also include a video essay.
0: Exactly. Um, And what they're trying to do with all these essay questions, essays or essay type questions, or even video essays, is that they're trying to look for the same element which Kaushik mentioned before, authenticity. That what you're saying is actually something that is believable and that is true and that can be expected of you if you are given the admit to this particular b school
1: and uh, one additional uh, component is your letter of recommendation and it is a very important part of the application uh, of the application and the applicant has to select the recommenders very judicially judiciously mm-hmm. many times we have seen that applicants they select a recommender and that recommender denies to fill the form. And most of the applicants, they are in a cash 22 situation. They don't want to inform their superiors regarding their plans as they feel it might affect their appraisal. So this step, thorough research has to be done. Who can be a good recommender? Who cannot be a recommender? Gmail IDs won't work. You need to give official IDs. So all these components are very important when you decide your recommender
0: another aspect which goes into finding a good recommender is if that person has directly seen you work it he might be a senior he or she might be a senior supervisor to you he or she might be a peer in in uh, observing Mm -hmm. you he or she might be a client or a vendor doesn't really matter but that person if that person has worked closely with you that person will be able to recommend you In a much more authentic manner. In fact, a lot of B school applications, they ask about the relationship between you and the recommender and also judge you on that. Which brings us finally to once you have done all these things, Kaushik, you know, they have uh, worked on their planning, they have gone through the standardized testing and profile building and storytelling. It comes to choosing when to apply. Which brings us to the question of the application rounds. Why do B-Schools have different application rounds? Kaushik, can you shed some light on that?
1: Sort of, it's uh, because a lot of uh, applicants, they have their own preferences. So,
0: you know, they they shortlist
1: colleges and then they decide, okay, if we are not able to secure admit in these colleges in round one, then I'll apply, you know, in the other colleges in round two. The other reason is that lot of people, they are not prepared with their profile, they are not prepared with their test scores. so they want to, you know, have, uh, want to apply in round two. So what we hear from uh, admission, uh, at ad- comms is that there is no difference, you know, you can apply in R1, R2 or R3. But as per me, applying in R1 is always better, because the type of pool in which you're going to apply in R1 is going to be unique. You know? So if, you know, you and suppose you are a night you are an agriculture guy and in round 1 five agriculture guys apply and you know four are selected then in round 2 your chance might be you know low as if compared to your round 1 chances
0: you're absolutely right not only that uh, there are certain schools which actually have rolling uh, admissions so they don't really create uh, you know different application rounds but their admissions are on a rolling basis and because they are on a rolling basis it it kind of Uh, Looks as if, you know, uh, it is okay if you apply uh, later on also, but um, these B-Schools are also looking for the best applicants and they do consider applicants who have applied earlier. Why? Because those applicants are more serious about their B-School. Secondly, it also showcases that these applicants are very well prepared. They knew how to plan their entire MBA journey. They were ready with their documentation, their scores, their recommenders. And that is why they're applying earlier so that the interviews can happen earlier and they can get selected earlier. The decisions are out earlier. Which brings us um, to the final part that we're going to discuss today, which is the interview process. The final part of the deconstruction of the MBA journey is the interview process. Kaushik, I think the interview process is this is something that started way before even before planning when you were actually doing the self-evaluation don't you think so
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely so once you finish your application you, you press the submit button it's time to celebrate you know because you have already done half of the work whatever you could do you have done and now you can relax have a cup of coffee and wait till the time you get the interview invite and interviews most of the b-school interviews are very conversational they would like to know who you are, you know, why you want to do an MBA. And most of the things they're going to ask is going is what you have already mentioned on your application in the form of essays or resumes. But yes, interviews can be very tricky at times and you may face, you know, some very difficult or challenging questions, such as what concerns do you have about getting an MBA or describe yourself in three words. So, you know, so it's good to be prepared. More we are prepared, higher will be our confidence level and higher will be our our chances of securing an admit.
0: In fact, um, how I guide most of my mentees about any kind of interview process is that when you go into an interview and you need to actually expect the kind of questions that can be asked. And Kaushik, you very rightly mentioned that most of the interview processes or the interview panels, they stick to questions related to your profile right so what you've written in your essay what is there in your resume and your mba application they will ask questions related to that because they are curious about you they want to know more about you so that is the major preparation that you need
1: for instance if you have written in an application that you reduce the time cycle of the project by six months by applying certain uh, by applying certain formulas or applying certain gimmicks Adcom will definitely like to know how did you do that six months, you know, reducing the project cycle. So be so one has to be very authentic in his application because whatever you write in the application, they are going to ask you the same.
0: Exactly. Not only that, once you explain to them how you did it, they will probably ask you which tools did you use? Did you use this tool? Did you go for a certification? Uh, Did your company provide you uh, some sort of, uh, you know, uh, training which helped you do this? Or did you organize something for the rest of the people? How did you share your knowledge? Any of these questions. So please prepare for counter questions, whatever you're going to say, they're going to delve deeper into it, they're going to dig in, they're going to want to know more.
1: Like you rightly mentioned, like if you say that you develop the process, they might ask that now you are going to leave your organization, come for MBA. How are going to how are you going to ensure that the process will will work as it was working when you were there? You know, so one has to be prepared on all corners.
0: Kaushik, it was wonderful having you here and uh, listening to all your uh, amazing insights from your experience. Uh, any last piece of advice that you would like to give to the listeners?
1: Yes, sir. Uh, there are you know few traps and pitfalls that most of the applicants they fall in and then they feel demotivated or they feel extra confident so you know we should be aware of these traps and you know we have to avoid them most importantly one is that you know when applicants they focus only on one aspect of the application you know such as test scores they think that you know we have scored a 700 plus on gmat road ahead will be very easy. No, we need to understand that all components of applications are equally important. We can't ignore any component of the the application. Second, a lot of applicants, they first appear for GMAT, they take the test, and then they decide colleges based on their test scores. Ideal way should be, we should first identify the colleges and then decide what the target test score should be and accordingly prepare for it third is understanding the admission process many applicants they focus only on how the program aligns with their goals it is important to understand that peer learning is very Im- important part of these programs you know an applicant has to mention what value addition what diversity or what peer learning he is going to bring in the class what is that extra zing he carries and last is that lot of students, they feel demotivated after reading certain blogs or websites. I'll suggest it is advisable to contact seniors, alums or experts in this field who can provide you correct information. You know Because even if you look at a success story of 710 GMAT versus a failure story of 750 GMAT, there are other things that are associated with it, you know, a higher GPA and a lower GMAT score, will be maybe equivalent to a lower gmat and a higher gpa someone from the best b school or someone from the best graduation school in india's application with a 730 gmat will be different uh, from someone 750 application from a normal uh, school in from a normal engineering school in india so we should not get demotivated no, we should consult the experts in this field whole MBA application process is based on a lot of research. It's a continuous, evolving, dynamic process. And there are experts in this field who day in, day out do research. So, you know, rather than getting demotivated, it's better to consult experts like you and then decide what can be done.
0: Wow thank you so much kaushik because that i think you just made my job so much easier for this podcast episode you summarized it so well and uh, there you have it guys uh, this was kaushik uh, khanna an sn mentoring panelist uh, with us today so that he could share his insights thank you so much kaushik it was a pleasure to have you here all right then we have reached our listener questions section of this podcast in this section i answer questions from listeners and other students who have approached me with these questions before the first question comes from rohini who is an electrical engineering student currently studying in her third year the question is which is a better college iam ranchi or imt Gazibad? Hmm. i love this question why because everyone just wants to compare these things in such a black and white manner which is better i am ranchi or imt Ghaziabad? How do you compare two institutions to established institutions having amazing amount of exposure and their own advantages and their own centers of excellence? IIM Ranchi is an IIM. IIMT Ghaziabad is an established institution placed in Delhi NCR, which is the biggest economic hub of the country. How do you choose? You do not choose based just on ranking. In fact, ranking is the last thing that should come to your mind. What you need to understand is how each of these colleges will contribute to your future growth. If there is a particular faculty that you're looking at, if there's a particular um, campus placement offer that you're looking at, if there's a particular internship offer which you think one particular college will be able to offer you in a better manner, that is the way that you choose. Not just by what everyone else is choosing and by going with the popular vote, oh, this, is, this college is more well-known, let me just go there for some reason. Rohini, dig deeper into it, because even to get accepted to either of these colleges, which I understand is considered are considered reach colleges by a lot of Indian students looking for an Indian MBA, you still have to prepare very well for CAT, you still have to uh, do a lot of profile building, you have to get your story sorted, and so on. And when you are doing that, when you are doing that self-evaluation, that time, you will be able to research more about these colleges and automatically understand which college calls out to you next question is from Ashish Khanna who says who actually asks I have a GMAT of 710 three years of work experience should I go for ISB or Rotman wow again you know the comparison between these schools is not an easy one when you talk about ISB you're looking at um, the highest ranked MBA school from India across the world. And it has a fee of roughly 40,000 US dollars, which can be converted into the Indian uh, rupee according to the exchange rate, and you'll know what the fee is. It still comes out cheaper than most of the other similar highly ranked B schools across the world. So, ISB does offer you a better return on investment when you compare it with other B schools across the world, although it is the most expensive in India today. The fees The overall expenses for ISB might be touching close to 50 lakhs. Whereas Rotman is the best B-school or the most highly ranked B-school along with Shulich um, in Canada. And it is extremely difficult to get into Rotman as well. But what you need to understand is why would you like to go to Rotman? Why would you like to go to Canada? What are you looking for when you're looking at the Ontario region? When are you looking at the metro region, metropolitan region of Toronto? What are you looking for? Are you looking for a you know, long-term stay in Canada so that you can recover whatever investment you've made in the MBA, and probably get a job? Are you looking to come back to India? Are you looking to move to some other place? Are you looking to move to the US after that? What is going on in your mind? And that should be in your decision-making process, Ashish. Of course, if you are from the applicant pool of the Indian IT mail, as Kaushik very rightly pointed out, you need to have a very good GMAT score, at least 730 and above, according to uh, my recommendation, for Rotman, whereas for IASB, that GMAT score requirement will be lesser for you. So, there are multiple reasons and multiple ways you can look at it, but... Rotman is a much more global school. It will have people from across the world, whereas ISB will not offer that same kind of diversity from across the world, but otherwise, ISB is a really diverse cohort. So, Ashish, a bunch of things. Um, with three years of work experience, both these schools work very well for you, but your GMAT score might not be sufficient for Rotman, considering you are a male Indian applicant. I don't know your profile, so I can't really say uh, whether it fits your profile or not. You need to delve deeper into it. We can definitely have a deeper conversation after this. Last question. From Ekta Singh, who hails from Pune in India. I want to go to Harvard or Stanford or Kellogg. What should be my game plan? Mm, Perfect question. Well, this podcast was based on that game plan, Ekta. You need to start your planning as soon as possible. This podcast is being recorded in August of 2021, so if you're looking to apply for the uh, first round of Harvard or Stanford or Kellogg, you're already late. And if you have not yet taken your GMAT, then I would recommend that you probably take this entire year, prepare for your MBA, prepare for your GMAT test scores, get your story in order, prepare a good profile, and then start applying next fall. However, we're talking about Harvard, Stanford or Kellogg, which are the top five in the world, more or less, you know, every time you see the rankings, they're always in the top five or in the top 10. Getting into these colleges is extremely difficult because there are so many people applying to these courses. So you need to understand that you need to give your best, first of all. Secondly, do a deep analysis of the kind of class profile that Harvard or Stanford or Kellogg have been accepting over the past five years and see where do you fit in that particular cast profile what can you offer to harvard which no other aspirant no other indian no other woman can offer and that is how you go about it of course harvard and stanford and uh, kellogg they have their own specialities and other such highly selective b schools like mit or lbs they have their own specialities as well When you are looking for these B-Schools, you need to see what kind of future are you looking for yourself. Where do you see yourself uh, working after completing an MBA from here? So, your game plan? Start right now. Start planning. Start researching. Start taking a lot of advice from people who have already been to these schools. And don't stop till the time you get to these places. To conclude today's podcast, MBA is a long journey, as it should be. It should not be a decision which is not well thought out or made out of desperation. That you were not able to understand where to go career-wise and an MBA seemed like a very safe option for you, so you decided to jump into it. This way, you will only reach a level lower to a level you deserve to go to. So as Kaushik and I discussed, evaluate yourself in detail and plan well. Thank you so much. Be safe. Thank you for listening to the Best Fit Careers podcast. We would love to hear from you, so please provide your comments, feedback and questions to us through email or messages on our social media. Please subscribe to us and like our episodes if you found value in them and share them with others who may benefit from this information. Best Fit Careers has been designed to provide you the best information possible to solve your career queries. This podcast is the culmination of years of experience and thousands of hours of counseling, research, and guidance sessions. Please find more amazing information at the SN Mentoring online publication. See you in the next episode. Happy careers to you.